suddenly you and others who work in the same way have changed some things and have changed people's minds about things. And I do, do get letters from people who say, you've changed my life and you've changed my thinking. And it's not what you're out to do. You don't try to do that. You just speak your own mind. And if you change people's minds so much, the better. Please shoot your husband. Please kill him dead. Go and do your stuff. He has had enough. Marry me instead. It seems hard to believe that one of the German-speaking world's great cabaret legends, Georg Kreisler, actually began his career in New York. In fact, he even has American nationality. Georg Kreisler was born in 1922, the only child of a Viennese Jewish couple who fled the Nazis and left Austria in the 1930s to live in the U.S. In America, the young Chrysler established himself as a musician by pursuing his earlier studies as a conductor and working on the music for a number of films. He was drafted by the U.S. Army and during this time often staged shows for the troops. After the war, he performed widely in America, but his big break came when he returned to Europe in the 1950s and started to, as he put it, relearn the German language. Through this rediscovery of his mother tongue, Kreisler discovered his gift as a lyricist and playwright. In almost no time, he became a cult figure in German cabaret circles. He went on to direct and write many plays, as well as countless cabaret programmes and several books. But perhaps what he's best known for are his clever and witty songs. My psychoanalyst is an idiot. The fellow has no feelings for my woes. He asks about my childhood days and certain of my childhood ways. But why I'm so distressed, he never knows. My psychoanalyst is an idiot who never fails to get me all upset. He makes me count from one to ten and then from ten to one again, then feels my nose to see if it is wet. Well, despite the fact that the bulk of Kreisler's songs and theatre pieces are written in German, he says he still finds himself thinking in English and continues to write and often translate his work into English. This being the case, when I met Georg Kreisler recently, I asked him about the time when he started his career in New York of the 1940s. I started singing songs in what you call cabaret in New York, in a place called Ruban Blue. Uh, that doesn't exist anymore. But... Uh, it was in 47. I came to New York in 46. I was hungry for one year. And then in 47, I started working. And I was, I was still hungry after that because jobs were very few and far between. But I played in New York, a number of these small clubs, you know, with the intimate, sophisticated audience, so-called. And when you went to other towns, uh, it was goodbye to the sophisticated audiences. And uh, played small towns, too. Philadelphia, Washington, Chicago, Florida, of course. So I played all these nightclubs. And then in 51, I was uh, booked on in a club in New York called Monkey Bar. I think that still exists. And uh, there I could stay. I stayed for four years. And after four years, I decided I wasn't getting anywhere because all my efforts to get into Broadway or to get into TV or something, they all didn't amount to much. So I went back to Europe and started writing German, which is my mother tongue. I had to learn it over again. I guess one of the questions that comes first to mind is if you've 
played so much and, and performed so much in the States and then to come back and perform again in Germany. It's not only a language thing, but I'm wondering about a shared cultural past. Do the audiences react in the same way or is that hard to gauge? The circumstances are different. In the States, if you play nightclubs like I did, um, I had a, a boss who stood uh, in the, at the door, in the door, right? And uh, he controlled with a stopwatch how many laughs I was getting per minute. And if it was less than two per minute, you, did, you didn't get the job. Well, that doesn't happen in Europe. It's much more commercial in, in the States. You don't think so much about commercialism in Europe. But uh, on the other hand, there are other obstacles in Europe. There's a lot of censorship. They don't look whether you have a commercial success. They don't care. The theaters are subsidized, so they don't really care if, you, if your play is good or bad. The main thing is uh, if the audiences come or don't come. They have a lot of subscribers. In New York, it's different. You go for money. You make, you make one good show. They want you to do another good show. They, they take you again. Not so in Europe. So there's a difference. There's also a difference how you work. I guess Europe's changing. I mean, we just have to look at the current news in Germany as far as budget deficits go and funding and theatres and opera houses all fighting and scrambling for funds. Do you think that maybe the concert-going, cabaret-going, theatre-going public might become a little bit more discerning about what they want to see? Look at how uh, excited the owners or the, 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 the directors of these theatres are. They're aghast because they don't get the money anymore. They're not even thinking about doing something that will appeal to the audiences. On the contrary, in Zurich now, for instance, they fired one director of the, of the Zurich Theatre, Christoph Maltala is his name, because the audience just wouldn't come. And the subscribers, half the subscribers cancelled their subscription. So they said, uh, out with him. But this is a big exception. And as a matter of fact, they didn't succeed with it. He went back. They had to keep him, finally. And he said, well, we are doing art, and we are waiting for the public to understand our art. Now, this is a standpoint alien to any American. And alien to me, I must say. Something slightly arrogant about it, isn't there, actually? Terribly arrogant. I am the great artist, and if the audience doesn't, doesn't like what I'm doing, the audience is stupid. That is very arrogant. But that's common... In, in European theatre, in German, I would say in German or Austrian or Swiss theatres. I don't know anything about the French theatre. Writer, composer, pianist, cabaret artist, actor and director, Gail Chrysler, where do you get your inspiration to create the wonderful things you do? Thank you very much, <laughs> but uh, I can't answer that question. You sit down, you wait for things to come, and you're happy if the ideas do come, and you're unhappy when they don't. But there's nothing you can do about it. You just wait. It seems hard to believe that there have been moments that, where the ideas didn't come, because you actually have produced such a lot of work, and of such a quality as well. Well, actually, don't forget the, the craftsmanship, yes. Mm -hmm. You do have to... Uh, I mean, an idea is not enough. Then you have to work on it, and you can, of course, also work without an idea. You can, I mean, you get uh, you get the commissions, write something uh, special, so you get you get the topic that you write about, and then you write it, like a journalist. But uh, ideas is something that come from somewhere, nobody knows where. <laughs> <laughs>
But certainly there must be certain situations, certain experiences that actually trigger something in you to want to react in an artistic way. Very rarely. It happens, but very rarely. Usually it comes out of the blue. Of course, it comes from the subconscious and uh, you've experienced something, but it's usually not visible where it really comes from. I mean, uh, I write a song called uh, Two Old Aunties Dancing Tango in the Middle of the Night. Okay, where does, where does it come from? I don't know. There was no political thing. There are a few political names in the song, but there's no political reason for it. Zwei alte Tanten tanzen Tango Mitten in der Nacht Gleich zwei Chimären So als wären sie aus Spinnweben gemacht Wie sie sich wiegen, sich verbiegen und schmiegen Bein an Bein. Jeder Schritt muss bei dem Rhythmus ein Vergnügen sein. What are the commissions like? Have they changed as the years have gone by? Are people asking you to write in a particular direction, to move in a certain direction, or are they leaving it open to you? No, they don't ask me to write in a particular direction, except that they ask me to write musical things. I'm known as a musical man, and if I write a play, which I've done, uh, without music, they say, can't you put a few songs in there, son? Uh, and usually I do, sometimes just two or three, but uh, I can understand that they want songs. So unless it's absolutely impossible. I've, I've written mostly musical plays. I mean, a lot of directors these days actually also take over writing the scripts. They tend to make a lot of the changes and things along the way. Does that happen to works of yours? Oh, yes. I saw once saw a play of mine, I didn't recognize it. Uh, that happens too. But of course, I don't appreciate that. You're right, directors take too many liberties nowadays, especially in Germany. Is that perhaps what, what attracted you to cabaret so much? The fact that, to a certain extent, you're the pianist in this case, you're the, the musician, you're the singer, you're the performer. Okay, you do perform, of course, often with one other person. But there's something very small and very intimate and very much in your control. Is that perhaps why it appealed to you? No, what would have appealed to me would have been more more theatre. Mm. I would have loved to have done more theatre, but the theatres didn't give me the opportunity. So I had to make money, so I went into cabaret, and I, I did my own stuff, so that was the way to, to make a living. That's all. I, I would never have done cabaret out if I had got a job in the theatre. I wouldn't have done cabaret. Well, you did do cabaret, and you achieved so much. And I'm interested in, in what you think that maybe cabaret can achieve? What can it actually do? It's practically impossible to know what you've changed. Certainly you and others who work in the same way have changed some things and have changed people's minds about things. And I do get letters from people who say, you've changed my life and you've changed my thinking and this and that. But uh, you yourself don't know. It's not what you're out to do. You don't try to do that. You just speak your own mind. And if you change people's minds, so much the better. But what effect they have in the end, you know, I don't know. There are some examples where artists have to take, uh, I don't know, Uncle Tom's Cabin, for instance, has changed a lot of things, mm. just in one book. So there have been others, too, that have changed politics. But I think generally it's it's uh, a mass effect. I mean, so and so many books, so and so many cabaretists who change people eventually. If you were asked to write a political cabaret today, how would you go about it? What would be the sorts of things you might focus on? Well, practically everything you write or everything I write, I write out of the time I live in. So it's political. Everything I write is political anyway. Play too. 
doesn't matter what I write. I think we live in a terrible time, and I think that comes out of the things I write too. I think that I don't, when I write comedy, and I do write mostly comedy, it is a, a comedy which criticizes the times we live in. Do you think that this incredibly important period of your life that you spent in the States somehow still influences you? Of course, I'm sure. I still think in English sometimes. I'm not in German. Just thinking that I try, have to translate it into German. But uh, it's funny because English is really a foreign language to me, as you can hear. The year 2002 is actually the year of your 80th birthday. How do you reflect on the last years of your life and, and the direction that you're going in? Hard to say. I don't know whether I've changed very much. You know, as long as you keep your health and you hear good and you see good and you can still think, you don't feel old. You feel as young as the next guy until the next guy suddenly shows a reverence of the sort for you because you're old. Then you realize, oh yeah, he's, he's only 40 and he's, I'm twice as old. But you don't really realize it until the other one shows you that you're old. You feel you feel young. I feel young. Die Herzen sind schwach und die Liebe ist stark beim Taubenvergiften im Park. Nimm für uns was zu naschen in der anderen Taschen. Gehen wir Taubenvergiften im Park. 